This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. There was an election in in uh, Canada this week, and you may not have paid a ton of attention to it, but I like discussing when uh, something shapes from an occurrence into a trend. And that trend seems to be union support that leans more right than left. Um, there were unions that endorsed Doug Ford in the provincial election last year that now not everybody is um, there's been unions walking back and say, oh, well, we made a mistake. Well, that happens from time to time. Um, there's definitely uh, loud noises, if you will, to quote anchorman that get made during elections and in terms of support. And then that gets pulled back a little bit. Do you remember how upset when Bob Ray was named premier in 1990? Some of you uh, young whippersnappers may not. That was my first election. Um, actually, that's bef- yeah, that is my first election voting because I couldn't vote in the federal election in 88, obviously. And um, the unions were not happy with Bob Ray saying, well, we're going to we're in a really recessionary times, guys and gals. We're going to have to take some Ray days. You're going to and they they were very upset about that. And then it turned out three years later. Here's Mike Harris. Here's the common sense revolution. Unions pulled their support from the NDP. Um, in terms of the next provincial election in 1995, and you got a majority government for the conservatives for three or four years. So you'll always pull back support. Bottom line is, though, the game is to win. The the goal is seats and the game is to win as many as possible. And um, given that the slogan, two slogans have worked for the Fords, for for the Ford uh, conservatives, uh, get it done. Well, they get done winning elections. Like, do you want to deny that they don't? They do. They get that done. Doug Ford, he's the only one that can get it done. Well, he's the only one that can win majority governments. He's the only one that can show up and uh, and obliterate his competition, make leaders quit on the same night that they uh, that they that they ran that the election was, and he did that last year. Um, and uh, and for the people, and if the people are indeed in the unions, well, the right is making some inroads with working class voters. I don't know how we could make the case that that's not true. And a lot of these unions are not necessarily the public sector unions. They are private sector unions. What's the difference? Um, no, I don't expect uh, OSSTF to endorse uh, the Ford conservatives anytime soon or compliment them on anything. But um, construction unions are trade unions are when things are getting built. Those people are all in heavy equipment operators Um you know, people who are getting into the trades, the trades are backing the conservatives and the conservatives clearly are backing the trades. And I bring this up because uh, according to a recent poll, uh, and this is on the conversation.com, the poly of conservatives are now the top choice of union members in Canada. It's just slightly lower than with the general population, but it's grown. Support for the new Democrats is lower among private sector union members than among the overall population. That's rarely happened in my lifetime. That's rarely happened in a poll. I got it. Polls are really tricky to navigate in this day and age. They are. They can be deceiving, especially way, way, way before an election. And um, and but when it comes to election day itself, you do have to have a little bit of a radar for this. So I, I want to get into it a little later on more the sh- in the show. But this is what the concept is. Working class Canadians appear uh, that they they can be swayed. And if you want. Like it gets described in the article, well, they're particularly susceptible. I don't, I don't, I disagree with the premise of the article. They're being sold something and they want to buy. That's why we vote. You're, you're selling me on a philosophy and policies that I like better than everybody else's. So you get the X. 
(laughs) The idea, oh, suddenly working class Canadians appear to be particularly susceptible to populist overtures. Well, maybe they like the policies better. Maybe that's not populism. They like the policies. Right now, the right is connecting. They've got eight of 10 provincial governments. They've got eight of 10, and they won a majority in Prince Edward Island. So you can complain about it, and you can call it populism, but um, and you can say, well, they're just cutting, and they're closing hospitals, and they don't care about education. Why are we voting for them? Bottom line, if you, if you like the alternatives better, that wouldn't be the case. These other parties, I'd be talking to the Ontario Liberals and the Ontario NDP. I'd be talking to the opposition parties in other provinces. Step up your game. Why are you losing elections and why are you losing union support? If the other guys are so, so bad and you're so good, and yes, here's that word, virtuous. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. I'm so glad when I used to, you know, do guest hosting shows on the station, sometimes I'd read something uh, that for acronyms, Sheba, is just known as AITA. And I could call it, I think I was calling it AIT. Jay, just to not get in trouble, like, am I the jerk? Am I the jerk? I'm sure we've all we've all been the jerk. We ask ourselves, am I the jerk? And these AITA, uh, they're usually Reddit posts, right? And they go viral. They go everywhere. They go to the corners of the universe with everybody weighing in on whether somebody is or isn't. They really do. And this week's has gone viral all over. So I know that you, myself, and Gord, we were having a discussion about it. And I said, you know what? Let's stop right now. We have to continue this discussion on the air. So here's the story. This is the issue for this week. This woman goes out on a date with this guy. It's their third date. So obviously things are going well. To get to a third date, especially in this time with digital love and all of that, to get to a third date in the person face-to-face at a restaurant is a big deal. Uh, they obviously like each other. They they order their dinners. It's a Polish restaurant. They order their dinners, and she eats ranch dressing with almost everything. Mm. Uh, turns out the restaurant doesn't have ranch dressing. They bring her sour cream. Doesn't work. They bring her dill. Doesn't work. So she's trying to eat her meal. She doesn't know what to do. She needs the ranch. She tells her date, Michael, she's going to be right back. She... <laughs> walks down to some convenience store that's, you know, a little bit, I mean, it's a, it's a few minute walk, goes and buys ranch dressing, brings it back to the restaurant. Uh, and at this point, Michael has no idea where she went. So or, she's got a you know, bottle. What happened. She disappears. Yes. Goes- she walks in. Yes. She walks in with the bottle, walks yeah. in with this plastic bag with the bottle, the ranch dressing, pulls it out. Michael is shocked. Okay, he's he's wondering where she's been, why she's pulling out this random bottle of ranch dressing. She could she goes on to just, you know, drown her meal in the ranch dressing. The server comes over and says, outside food isn't allowed, as is normal. Uh, and she says, hey, this isn't outside food, and you guys didn't have what I needed to enjoy my meal. So he tells her, no, I'm sorry, you can't do this. So she had to take it out. She had to go put it in her car. At this time, you know, she's got the, the ranch dressing all over her meal. They finish up their meals. Uh, and Michael's a little bit quiet at this point. They walk out. He doesn't walk her to her car and he says goodbye, (laughs) walks to his car and she goes back to her place and she's telling her roommate about the evening and her roommate's like, what are you doing? This is horrible etiquette. And she's wondering if there's ever going to be a fourth date. What do you guys think? Is she the, for people Mm. who don't know, it's A-I-T-A, am I the a-hole? Okay. But as Greg likes to put it, am I the jerk? (laughs) Greg, 
Are you about to ask this girl out on a fourth date if this was you? All I want, you'll 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 be shocked at the answer. I'm going to leave you with a shocker for a three day weekend. I just want people to be themselves, and I would have fallen more in love with her than I <laughs> no, ever you would imagined. Not. Yes, I would have. You're lying. I'm not. I I think she's not afraid to be herself. It. She's. <laughs> fun she's spontaneous we don't want it well we would never get into a rut or a bad rhythm and uh i'm not a big i'm not even a big ranch fan she didn't even bring bring bring, she didn't even bring back something i like gord i'm i'm all i'm all about her i would have walked her to her car i would have called my friends and it'll be like this independent fierce unafraid unabashed ranch fan woman I, I like. Where do I go to? I got to go to Spence Diamonds and get an engagement ring. Oh please! <laughs> oh, or whatever please. they yell. Yeah. You realize that for the rest of if you marry this girl for the rest of your life and your children's lives, you guys are going to be eating ranch dressing with everything. That you is know that, true. right? That is true. Have you thought that far ahead, Gord? How about you? Are you asking about her on a fourth date? No, absolutely Lord. not. Absolutely not. And I'm surprised that this never came up in the first and second dates. That did she has to douse ranch dressing on everything she eats like it's that important like you can't go one meal without ranch dressing I, i'm sorry they didn't have it but i mean like really and, and they you leave oh, the date yeah but also on his side it's like you take the high road dude to walk her to a car and just say i don't think it's going to work out well you maybe they should go to a normal restaurant that serves this whole ordeal gets set that gets solved by going to a normal place that has ranch dressing oh i no, see a lot of places don't no yeah. a lot of places they, they i know this because sometimes my kids will ask for ranch dressing with their salad because I make them order a salad. Um, so some places they don't have it. So it depends. It really depends. And they tried to accommodate her. They brought out the dill. They brought out the uh, sour cream. But it just wasn't enough. Yeah. This has got a red flag all over it for me. Yeah. I think her roommate's right. It's bad etiquette. I think it's rude. Uh, I think you don't get up and leave your date halfway through dinner and go to a, another store and bring back a condiment. Here, you just don't do that. It's bad. Here's a text response. And you know what? Let's just make this our... Well, let's, everybody likes chocolate. So do you want to just make this our... Yeah. Uh, our, our, our <laughs> I told you we should do this Okay, yesterday. you're right. You, you had the right call. Yeah, absolutely. And w- what's the question then? Is it like you, you're like good move, bad move? Is this Is this I support, I don't support? Are you in on her going to the store to buy a condiment during her date is that okay with you or are you out and you're never calling her again yeah i'm i'm in i'm so okay with it i support her i support him waiting i don't know how he we haven't really gotten his side of this has we we don't know if he was mortified or be like cool i can check some uh some NBA scores on my phone. I I, I don't. Maybe he you know the, enjoyed the six minutes by maybe himself. Maybe she was in the bathroom. I think the uh, <laughs> not walking her back to the cars. Speaks for I itself. guess it does, <laughs> but you know, yeah, you, you may want to shake somebody up a little bit. Okay, so you're in, Gord. You're out. I'm absolutely right. out. Okay, the text line is going off like crazy. <laughs> are you in or out on Ranch Girl? Um, most people so far are out. No second date for Ranch Lady. Is she 12 years old? <laughs> well, I hope not. Maybe he, he, she better, has... he better be only 13 or 14 if she. And even then, we got we're getting some slippery territory here. If he is 14, I will say no you. second date for Ranch Lady. If yeah. it was Cheese Whiz, maybe. <laughs> we had we had a guy in grade nine still dating his grade eight girlfriend, and I'm like, I, like we we never let him forget that. We we're like, <laughs> they're probably like five months apart in age, and I'm like, oh. 
cradle robbing. I will say it makes a great commercial for like Hidden Valley well, or Kraft. It's like gotta have my yeah, ranch. That's true. That's true. Here's here's a great text for our uh, yes. our for you our female presence on the show. Yes. What if the guy says you don't have ranch? Let me take care of it. Gets up out of his chair and he goes to the store and gets it for. Her. Is oh, that that's a little marriage too- material. You are you sure? Him. Is that not a little too psychotic? Is that a little no. too Patrick Bateman American no, Psycho no, business? No. Yeah. no? No, because men are always on their best behavior in those first few months. Always. Yeah, but what that reminds me of is how, like, like the bad guy in Sleeping with the Enemy was always, like, like Patrick. Okay, no bad comparison. No, it's not. No, it's not. not because he was like, I, I just want everything to be perfect for you. And and uh, this is an interesting discussion. Let's not ruin our night. And so, like, I think a, a guy going to the variety store, Gord, we'd consider him a psycho. For doing that for his for a first or second no, date. No, because girlfriend. he obviously understands how much that's it not, means to yeah. her, and he wants her to the, have a good time. Yeah. That's not the same as opening a door for somebody or bringing them flowers. That's, no, it's a bummer. You don't have ranch. I'll take care of it. Yeah. That's a little too intense. No, that's I got know. an intensity called, to it. It's called chivalry. Exactly. <laughs> he's he's being chivalrous. Yes, I agree with you, Gord. I think that's so sexy yeah. if he goes and gets the ranch for her. For her to be like, yeah. I'll be right back. And then he doesn't see her for 20 minutes. That's just awkward. Maybe, I, I'm with him. Don't ever call her back. There was an episode where Michael J. Fox was with two girls at the prom on uh, Family Ties. So maybe he she had another dinner going on with somebody yeah. else at another restaurant hey, that had ranch. Could always be worse. Could have been know. blue cheese dressing she had the... Then you're eating blue cheese for the rest of your life. Let's get to Dave Bradley. Um, You want to weigh in on? No. (laughs) That's usually the standard. Yeah, I (laughs) know. That's the standard answer. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. People say to me, well, what do you think about education? And here's where I'm at on education. Teachers. Fantastic. Wonderful. Absolutely. Some great. Some good. I wish we didn't just transfer the bad ones around, that there was a more of an evaluation process, but they are heavily protected and insulated um, by unions. And I think teachers know, I know what they're going through. And I'm going to read you an anecdote from one in a minute that uh, reached out. um, And and I I appreciate his trust. And he shared some stories about teaching high school in the TDSB with me just this semester. Um, Administrators, principals, vice principals, you all are doing fantastic work also. You tell me all the time you're really limited in terms of um, uh, discipline and accountability in schools. I think that stinks. I think that's lousy. If you want to suspend a student, you have to go to a superintendent, and that superintendent, it often falls on deaf ears. They don't give you enough um, wherewithal to be able to uh, make sure that for kids that are from 5 to 18, um, kids are doing the right things and understanding the distinction between this is how kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to step out of line. We're all going to screw up. I, I was a huge screw up at many in many of my eras in my 13, 14 years of, of public education, elementary school, all the way to uh, my OAC year. But I got I got put in my place. I got put in my place by more than a few teachers and, and more than a few principals and vice principals. For sure I did. Um, and then I really started taking it seriously. And I, beca- I became a really good student. Now, the school boards, oh my, I, I don't even know what to tell you. I don't know what the purpose is right now. And I don't see a lot of accountability in school boards. I think we just, by the way, the last municipal election, we watched school board trustees get elected and we know very little about them. 
Um, that's on us. That's on us sometimes is, is find out more. If we're going to put votes down and just say, well, that name sounds familiar or, well, they're the incumbent and the school hasn't caught on fire, so I'll vote for them. But there are an awful lot of issues in schools right now. We're going to get to some TDSB issues in a little bit. I see this last night. And yes, unions and the NDP have warned that this is coming. And it's not great news. Nobody relishes this news. Janet Davis is a former Toronto City Councilor, and she tweeted, TDSB just voted to cut 522 jobs. Our schools and kids need these people. But TDSB has no way to raise revenue. Mike Harris cut its tax powers years ago. Uh, And she writes, and Stephen Lecce, she's blaming him, continues to starve our education system. Um, But then her second tweet is all about how COVID's not gone and they're facing new challenges. Many of the support workers, I I understand the concept of of stepping up and saying we we, any job loss is, is lousy. They are eliminating 200 lunchroom supervisors. Many of those supervisors were hired. Because of the pandemic, not just during it coincidentally, but because the concept was um, keep people separated. Okay, we got to make sure safety is a massive priority. And you remember the all the issues about where students are eating and how they eat seem to be a massive issue. I'll never forget having a teacher on and saying in your school, you've got parents telling me that you're like being firm and, and, you know, being very forceful with kids when they talk during lunch. Remember those stories existed? You're telling kids, lower your mask quietly, chew quietly, face forward, say nothing. Um, and I'm like, that's, that's, no, that's no way to treat kids. And um, eh, she seemed to disagree. That's okay. We're allowed to disagree. I'm glad she's not teaching my kid. Caretaking and lunchroom supervisors seem to be most of these jobs that are being lost here. Um, here's a teacher reaching out to me from the TDSB. And I want you to know what teachers do go through because I want a better, a, a more flourishing system for them. I'll call them the rank and file, but they're really, really important. They're the ones that are impactful. By the way, when you graduate from high school, um, you're never going to say, you know, who was a really strong influence on my life? That school board trustee. I'm eh, not going to do that. You know, who really had an impact and really set me on my way. It's going to be a phys ed teacher or a, uh, a science teacher, or a librarian, or even a vice principal, you're not going to say, you know, <laughs> that that uh, EFTO uh, union rep really, you know, they, they, they had a huge impact. The rank and file, the people on the ground are the ones that make the differences. And I want to read you this uh, from a gentleman that started teaching. By the way, he reached out to me in January and documented the idea because I'd asked him about exams. And uh, he said, yeah, there there were going to be January exams, which is great that there were. Um, He wrote to me in January and wrote this. Student motivation is really low. After a few years of off on school, a lot of my students have massive knowledge gaps. I mean, we're aware of this. By the way, the boards and the trustees, total cowards when it comes to releasing data. Here's where we won't get data. How many kids haven't come back to school at all? How many kids are how far are we behind and who is behind? there's none of that. You can get that data from the States. You can get it from European countries. We're being chickens about this. And we, it's our kids, it's our schools, it's our tax dollars. We deserve a lot better. There's not a lot of transparency here. So I don't have a lot of empathy for anybody uh, pleading uh, that being a school board trustee is really hard. You rarely come on the radio. You rarely get in front of a camera. You rarely explain what you do. And you sure don't give us the proper data that we need as parents to evaluate how this is all going. 
Um, this teacher writes, they're desperately lacking in skills that require communication. Reading writing is shockingly bad. I was told recently something like 40% of my school is below provincial literacy standards. Due dates are unattainable, even for the strong performing kids. Attendance is extremely spotty. Very few kids are in class five days a week. Really, really problematic. Now let me read you. I got a minute and a half to do it. Let me read you what he wrote me about his future. I'm a new teacher. It's a second career. After 10 years in a trade field, I want to have more purpose in my work. And I went to teacher's college. I figured by sharing real useful life skills and practical knowledge with students, I could make their individual worlds better and thus make my community better. After teacher's college, I did supply work, took abuse from kids, was told it's part of the process. I got to see a ton of schools around the city and saw how so many of them are falling apart. Let me step aside here. If you're a teacher and you want better schools, you will probably have to tell your union representatives, stop taking 88% of government money and taking it all in salary. I'm not asking you to take a pay cut. But if you get the pay you get, if you get the pay you get and your union reps are paid handsomely, ask them for better infrastructure. Okay? Ask them. There's many states that take 71%, 68% of all education spending goes to salary. Here it's 88 So when you don't have the right, understand that your compensation uh, and most of the great teachers understand this. Your compensation belies the fact that our facilities and our technology and our schools um, aren't up to date. Okay? Here's a, what else he writes. I landed an LTO, a long-term occasional contract, which ended last June. All summer, there were no jobs. Twice in May, I was hired to teach a summer course, and in both cases, they removed me from the position. One course canceled, the other taken, me, uh, taken from me by a teacher with seniority. So I made no money teaching all summer. In September, this is 22, I went back to supply work, which honestly is glorified babysitting. You meet kids for one hour, then they're gone. No meaningful connection, no opportunities to teach for my professional expertise. Eventually, I landed another LTO. Finally, I get to teach my subject specialties, and I'm doing well. The school hires me in January for semester two. I'm called a 0.5 contract. The school is rough. The kids are a lot of work. Violence in the halls. Assaults on teachers. Something like a 60% literacy rate at the school. Let me repeat. A 60% literacy rate in a Toronto TDSB school. Ever hear about that? No. Because we got to get this information from the inside and from someone anonymously. Attendance is 75% on a good day. Uh, well, I get noticed today, April 4th. The school's putting me on surplus for the fall. This means the school's saying, we don't need you. The board will place you somewhere else. The worst part is that because I've only been hired on a 0.5 contract, the TDSB only has to give me one semester of work for the next school year. To put it bluntly, they'll sit, they're saying they'll guarantee me about $32,000 in earnings for the 23-24 year. I left an industry where I was earning close to $80,000. Here's what he writes in capitals. Why would anyone become a teacher? I am so disheartened. Everywhere I go, I'm told I'm a great teacher. Parents and students say they're thrilled with what we're doing in class, but I can't keep doing this. I'm getting married in August. I'm 32 and we want to start a family. I do not know what I will do. It feels like the TDSB is making it as difficult as possible to actually succeed as a new teacher in one of their schools. Thanks for reading. Apologies for the long message. I appreciate that teacher's honesty and trust. I want to know what, how you react to hearing all that. What are we doing when a good soul, an educator, trying to connect with kids wants out and they're almost pushing him out not because he isn't doing well not because he isn't trying but just because of the system and by the way all these cuts none of them come at the board level none of them come at the administration level it's the teachers that suffer i hate it i hate it blow these school boards to the moon blow them
Get them out of here. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Some of you may take that first uh, ride on a bike this weekend. Some of you are a little more um, practical and they and ride it 12 months a year. It makes sense if you can do it. Uh, our next guest does that and much, much more. He's uh, the biking lawyer. We've talked to him about a number of important issues as well in our city. He's a big uh, Toronto fan, but he wants a better Toronto. There's no question about that. David Shelnut joins us right now. By the way, you you posted photos on College Street of this flooding. I had no idea, no idea until seeing it. We had that kind of circumstance in the city yesterday. A lot of rain, but wow. Yeah, morning, Greg. It was uh, It was really something. I was up super early. Uh, and uh, was very concerned about our office basement. Uh, later in the day, I learned that our neighbor, uh, that their office basement had flooded because of this uh, street back up here. Uh, the cost of not not maintaining our infrastructure, like, has got to be huge. You, you look at the road, what's going on beneath it? Like, something's gonna, something's definitely wrong down there. Yeah, and you, you talked to a city worker that referenced um, leaves and leaf, like, basically leaf removal, which is mostly a, 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 late, a late September to mid-October circumstance. And uh, and he basically told you there's no money. We couldn't get all the leaves out. Is that it? This, this, yeah, the city worker was down at the corner of Shaw and Dundas clearing a, a grate uh, in the midst of what looked like a lake with his boots um, and said this wouldn't have happened if they had got the funding to just clean up leaves in the fall. Uh, and, and now they were going out. Uh, look like solo missions, uh, clearing leaves and, and 311. If you called them, I think they were telling pe- local people to do it themselves if it was safe. Like I always say this, Dave. Like there are some days, Mother Nature is just gonna just gonna k- kick us pretty good. The snowstorm last January, that's one thing. There's gonna be days for walking, for for riding, which you love. There's gonna be better days than others. But I look at the circumstances, and and that's everybody's fear, isn't it? Is if the city is so broke, and the city is not even hinting but telling us you, we're gonna miss out on essential services. That's a that's a big part of thinking. Well, every time it rains, we can't let it be like that. We can't have that fifty days a year seeing that amount of flooding on a major a major west east uh, street yeah I, I mean we know we're not broke we 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 increase uh police budgets every year well over a <laughs> billion dollars um it, it's it's just that we have to have foresight in our spending um and and things that are going to make us the world-class city we claim to be and that's simple things like uh building upon and bettering our infrastructure um, I want to get to the the mayoral uh, by election. I know you got thoughts on. It. I want to get to High Park as well. We had we had um, someone on yesterday, obviously advocating for High Park to become a a, a car free park, similar to some parks in some other major cities. But what's your observation of? Uh, are we just having too much of a um, knee jerk reaction to a lot of violence, a lot of circumstances, issues on the TTC, the horrible murder a, a week ago Saturday? It, it, it does it does make us think right away. Well, law enforcement, law enforcement, law enforcement is the answer. Um, is is there an element where we have to we have to sort of take a step back? Do you agree with the, some of the principles that you're hearing about? Uh, of course, are like my heart aches for these families and these folks. But what we have been putting money hand over fist into policing for years, and things are like they're not preventing crime. Crime is 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 a result of a myriad of social issues that we need to uh, be bold 
and have leadership to address. We, this, we can't put Band-Aid solutions on it. You can't give the cops another $50 million and expect the TTC to be safe. That, that's, that's, that's a dream. Uh, you, you need to address the root causes of the t- these things. We know coming out of the pandemic, we, you see it on the TTC to the streets when you're riding your bike. People are stressed and at the breaking point. Mm-hmm. What do we have in place to ease that off? Any element of people are talking, I mean, we're seeing political candidates for mayor talk about open drug deals and safe injection sites. And, and I drive by and I see people that I know aren't right that are stumbling around. Of course, we uh, I think we have to have an element of, co- of compassion for this. I don't want to cr- criminalize hard drugs. But, Dave, I'm I'm at my breaking point thinking maybe what we're doing in that capacity isn't working either. We're keeping people alive by giving them safe supplies. We're not doing anything to ease their addictions. Is there any in-between hybrid route that we need to take here? I mean, I think you have to look to jurisdictions that do this well across the world. And and those that that like ability to have safe injection sites and, and legalize uh, personal carry of, of hard drugs has to be accompanied by robust addiction services, mm-hmm. uh, housing supports, uh, mental health supports. This is how we help our communities. And like, yes, there is a cost to this, but the, the, the long-term gain uh, will dwarf um, the money we spend. Yeah, I think meeting people with treatment, I think, I think you hit on it. I've, I've seen it described, the safe injection sites have been described as an incomplete fix. It's one aspect of it, but just going, look, we have safe injection sites, everything's going to be fine. It, it, it sure isn't, because if there's not healthcare interventions and that's an area where you do have to more heavily police, that's just the way it works. Um, it's not enough. It's 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 exactly that. It's 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 not a fix. It's it's one it's one aspect of it. Yeah, these these are these are, like I said, bold and, and, and tough things to tell the public. Mm-hmm. And that's why we need leaders who have the bravery to do it. You know, you can't you can't just say we're going to solve the TTC by putting Wi-Fi on it and more cops. You have to sell the population on these holistic approaches. It's tough, mm. but we, if we're electing you, we believe in you to, to make those tough decisions and do that hard work. Uh, and, 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 and it's incumbent upon you uh, to, to do it for us. David Shellnitz, our guest, joining us on 640 Toronto. Um, do you, I haven't talked to you since uh, Mayor Tory resigned. You, you weren't a fan. Um, do you see this as, a, as an opportunity? Do you see this as an opportunity to get something right um, at City Hall? I mean, absolutely. We were locked locked in for another four years with status quo and citywide deterioration. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, if 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 Torontonians can see past uh, a couple of the candidates that are are Tory hardliners uh, and look to look to people um, that that are proposing bold new ideas, uh, compassionate, uh, a compassion and hold a compassionate view of the city uh, and its people, I think I think we're well positioned to to come. Uh, to come into this next year uh, and, and beyond with a really great Toronto. I, I haven't found anybody else when I lay this sentence on them that disagrees. It's going to be very, very difficult to get around this city in a car in the next three or four years. I've talked to you about this before. There are times when cars necessary, when you got to pack three kids into a minivan and drop them off. Um, bikes don't work. Uh, e-scooters wouldn't work. Walking doesn't work. Transit doesn't work. But there are elements of, of, of encouraging people to take transit that we've just, that have fallen by the wayside. How do we get it back on track where, where driving is necessary, but less essential. And we obviously spur um, more excitement and just, just regularity with transit. 
Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think it's a fulsome approach. Uh, you provide options to people and you, in, you incentivize and encourage, uh, you know, mobility devices that are, are big cargo bikes or, or things like that. Um, and, and it's that lot, the, the five kilometer thing, if you can, that, that mm. was, you know, a city, a city goal is you get people to do things within five kilometers that you don't need to do by car uh, and, and take them out of cars. And, and then it frees up space on the roads and people who have to use vehicles, uh, therefore aren't as uh, motor vehicles, therefore aren't as like clogged up in congestion. Um, yeah. You know, I, my office looks out on the college street yeah. and uh, it's all private single occupancy cars that are going by. Yeah, exactly. Um, High Park. So we talked about it yesterday uh, on both weekend days since the pandemic started. Uh, cars have not been allowed. They are in there Monday to Friday. Uh, again, do we have a hybrid, a happy medium, a solution here? I know there's been some <laughs> clearly some uh, cyclist driver tension, and that has been exacerbated by who gets a ticket and who doesn't. What what fixes the issue? Well, the city has put a lot of work into coming up with a proposal which unfortunately we think falls short. Mm-hmm. It's a half measure and doesn't get us there. We know that you can make this car, this park entirely car free uh, at all times and come up with accessibility solutions for families, uh, the businesses in there, folks with mobility issues and seniors. Um, you know, I take my mom in there who's 75 to, to walk the dog. You know, these concerns, I'm, I'm not just thinking about this from a cyclist, um, but, but we can do this uh, if, if we just, Think down the road and, and think about a future uh, where we have a park in our city as grand as Central Park. Um, you know, uh, doing doing it halfway uh, isn't going to take out the conflicts between pedestrians uh, and and motor vehicles and cyclists. Uh, we, we've got to really um, go all the way here. Dave Shellnut joining us. Hey, have a great uh, holiday weekend. Thanks for being on the show uh, so early. And, and let's keep talking as the as the mayoral campaign continues. You're you're an important voice in the city, and I want to keep uh, keep having you on on a regular basis. Thanks so much. I appreciate that so much, Greg. You bet. Dave Shellnut joining us on Toronto Today.